Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan men's basketball team lost another close game to a good team, and their NCAA tournament hopes are on life support as a result. We're talking hoops, hockey, and some football news coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here uh, Monday morning, February 13th. It's, uh, it's been a week since we last talked. Uh, it's tough. It's tough sometimes. Three three schedules when we're outside of football season and we're all on different, you know, kind of different schedules here trying to coordinate. But glad we can we can talk now. There's, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we can start. We can start with men's basketball. Same old story. Uh, and I'll, I'll just admit if, if, uh, you know, our readers are, are wondering where was the coverage of this game? Did Andrew Kahn bail on the team? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a rough one for me, uh, arrived at Chrysler feeling just fine. And then they're singing the pregame unity song, lift, lift every voice and sing beautiful song. If you watch the Super Bowl, you heard them sing it before that game. And, uh, yeah, started, uh, starting sweating and I'm loosening my tie and unbutton my shirt. And I'm saying, uh Oh, this is not good. <laughs> Got to the bathroom just in time. Um, come back, get my stuff and go home. Um, thinking I'm gonna, you know, well, as, as one usually does after such a thing happens, felt immediately better right away. Thought I could get through the game message. Our boss, like, I, I have to co- have to cover this one from home, but you know, I got it. Well, at about like the under eight of the first half, I'm like, yeah, that's that's not happening either. So uh, listen, listen to Brian and Terry on the radio. I'm curled up in the fetal position in my oh, bed. Oh man! Uh, but um, yeah, have since have since watched uh, you know watched the game, so I can I can now talk about it uh, and watched all the the post game stuff as well. And yeah, in a way, I had seen the game already because Michigan has done this over and over again <laughs> this season. So it really was was nothing new. Um, yeah, just mistakes down the stretch uh, and and failure to capitalize on a, on a great opportunity. So they lose 62-61 to Indiana. This wouldn't have been a monumental upset. I mean, Indiana's ranked, right? Michigan's not. Indiana's firmly in the NCAA tournament field. Michigan is not. Michigan was a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. You know what I mean? That's what playing at home can mean and indiana was down a starter like this this game was there for the taking um heading into it and then and then during it um hunter dickinson scores inside with five minutes and 12 seconds left in this game michigan goes up by three points they don't score again um and that that really was the difference and that's what you know joan howard talked about after um so yeah re-watching re-watching it uh, or watching it i guess really for the first time um there were there were eight possessions after that hunter dickinson basket eight and Michigan didn't do anything on any of them. Um, and that's really what, what Joan talked about was guys doing their own thing instead of running the offense. And you saw it on that first play. Jed Howard doesn't pass to Hunter Dickinson, just wide open, and he just doesn't get the ball into him. You see Hunter kind of hang his head like, what's going on? Ends up with a Kobe Bufkin late shot clock, deep three. Uh, next time they get it to Dickinson, uh, he feels a double team, gets it to Terrence Williams, wide open three, missed. Uh, next one, Hunter Dickinson, good look inside misses. Uh, they had a couple other decent looks after that, that they simply missed. Um, you know, that that's just going to happen. Um, and then the final possession, I, I'm not really sure. Joan said, it's what he drew up. It just, they didn't get what they were hoping for. Uh, they went Buffkin Dickinson, high ball screen. It kind of looked like he could have got it to, to Dickinson on the roll. He doesn't, he ends up stopping, pivoting. Kicking out to Jed Howard, desperation three, no good. So yeah, I just what are you going to say? You're going to say what Hunter Dickinson said after, which is you know this is 
extremely frustrating. We've had these big moments and we just can't capitalize. Yeah. How how much were they up when uh, when when Hunter Dickinson scored with just over five minutes left? It was only three. It was only um, three. All right. Yeah. You know, but I mean, they were up. They were up seven. You know, midway through right. the half. Uh, so yeah, they, they were, they were ahead for most all of this game. I mean, a strong start to take a seven point lead, um, got up, uh, 11 at one point. Um, but as, as bad teams do, or from Indiana's perspective, as good teams do, whichever, whichever side you're looking at, um, you know, Indiana finishes the half strong to get within four. Um, and that, that, you know, ends up making a difference. Every basket counts when you lose by one. So, um, yeah, that, that's. That was the story of this game. Yeah, I was in the the press box at Little Caesars Arena for the duel in the D, and I mean, wasn't watching the game, but I think heard some people saying, "Wow, Michigan looks like Michigan did another big win. Are, the, are their tournament hopes alive?" And all of a sudden, I see the final score. I'm like, "Whoa, they lost!" And yeah, obviously a, a huge hit for their resume as well. I right. flipped it on like midway through the second half, just as the kind of as you were talking, they were playing well for a while, and then they they hit that cold stretch there in the final five minutes, and it was like deja vu. You know, it's like. I've seen this before. It's, it's <laughs> like, you know, we, we've been talking about Michigan playing well lately the last week or so. And then here comes, you know, a game that, like you said, they could have and probably should have won. And, you know, they, they let it slip out of their hands. They're down, you know, late, late in the game. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a fine line between, you know, the, the, the good teams, the NCAA tournament teams and, and those that aren't. And I, I think Michigan will be, they'll be watching teams in the NCAA tournament thinking, oh, you know, we can, we could have beat them. You know, we, we, in some cases, like, I don't know, Northwestern or, or, or Maryland, or they'll be saying, oh, you know, we did beat them. Um, but I think that is what's going to be ha- happening is that they're going to be home watching these teams and saying that and not participating. Um, you know, they get the three game win streak, get that momentum, but, but the hole they dug, the margin for error was pretty small. Um, and now, yeah, now it, now it's going to be tough. I mean, it's not, not impossible. Uh, six games left. Um, you know, four of them on the road, which <laughs> helps in a way because you you need more impressive wins. But um, yeah, I mean, this one's the easiest. Wisconsin on the road, so it's like, okay, if that's your easiest, uh, you know, uh, as far as the road games, and then they do get Wisconsin at home again. So even if you say you want to win those two games, you know, you're, you're beating uh, Rutgers on the road, you're beating Illinois, Indiana, um, and then you know you do get Michigan State at home this this coming Saturday. So um, yeah, I don't I don't even know exactly what it, what it would take. They really just every loss is just so critical <laughs> at this point. They're they're in they're in a real tough spot now. Yeah, they'll probably have to you know run the table or come close to it. You know, get some of those wins. And like you said, it's difficult. A lot of these games are on the road, and as we've seen, the Big Ten is a difficult place to win. Period. Any given night, let alone on the road. So backs are against the wall. They've got to come up big. Um, you know how much of this. The struggles, the inconsistency, I think, do you think is tied to just inexperience, just youth? I mean, they, they seem very young. And like you said, in cru- critical moments, and cru- they make crucial mistakes. And it almost seems to me like, you know, they're just, they're just not used to being in the moment. It's a, it's a great point. It's a fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, at, at KenPom.com, they do, he does have a experience uh, metric, which is, you know, just based on the the minutes that guys are getting who's in the rotation and then what their you know what their age is you know or you know their class standing is how how much they've played before this season and you know Michigan is in the the 300s in that so they're they're near the bottom um now it's not impossible to be uh you know to be low on that and still uh you know have a be good um but you know it 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 hurts you in some of these cases so um yeah it's uh um 
it's clear that they they are young. Um, and Jawan Howard just mentioned it a lot. You know, it's like he often says, "There's only one Fab Five. You know that we were we were special for a reason because you know um, this this that's not normal that you know freshmen can do what they're doing. Um, they are starting to freshmen absolutely. Um, you know, and Kobe Bufkin's a young sophomore in in you know many senses of the word. He's actually young as far as his age, and he just didn't play all that much last year. So he's he's a third starter. But you know, Dickinson and Terrence Williams are two battle-tested juniors, especially Dickinson. He started his whole career. Um, and I got a fifth-year transfer off off the bench. Um, but but yeah, in in general, the rotation is is young. So um I do I do think that's a factor. Um, but you know, that's the coach kind of recruits his roster that way, right? I mean, maybe you don't expect to lose the two freshmen you did last year. So, um, yeah, you'd have sophomores in there potentially instead of some freshmen in your lineup. Um, you know, you have the grad transfer point guard you're expecting, and instead he gets hurt, and now you're turning to a freshman. So that's, you know, as big a drop in experience as you can get there with that injury. Um, but, but yeah, I don't I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, you know, Purdue starts freshman backcourt and they're, you know, they're in good position to win the big 10. So it's, it's hard to just pin it on that, but I think it's, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. A major factor. Um, the women's team, they only, they only played once this week. They played on Sunday and they won nice home win over Nebraska, 80 to 75. Uh, you know, Leah Brown, another big game, 21 points. Um, the bigger concern for Michigan right now is that his injuries, Layla Filia did not play again. Third game in a row. She's missed, uh, with an, a leg injury. Um, Greta Camp Schrader as well out for the second straight game. So, you know, two guards, uh, two playmakers, shot makers um, out for Michigan. Um, you know, they were they were able to win regardless. But, um, yeah, we'll see with a, with a, you know, huge game at Indiana on, on Thursday and at home against Ohio State on Monday. You certainly want to be at at full strength. So, uh, you know, we'll continue continue to monitor that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Layla's going to be able to play um, for that Indiana game, but it sounds like she'll be back before the end of the year, which which would be a huge boost. I mean, that's I mean that's when you really you really want her in the lineup. But yeah, it would it would be nice to have her in there against Indiana against a top team, a really good test. But hey, if you can see them again come the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, I mean that's when you really want to be at full strength. So and it's getting in light. I think you mentioned this in the last podcast. It's getting some of these younger younger uh women some some more minutes and and who knows they might need them down the stretch so it's tough tough sledding right now injury wise for for the women's team but i think maybe in the long run if they can get healthy they they might be better for it good points for sure uh yeah so again they they don't play again till till thursday at an indiana team that already won uh already beat michigan at at chrysler earlier this year super high scoring game uh Luke, as you mentioned, you were you were attending uh, you know a couple of hockey games this uh, weekend, and and Michigan got it done. Sound like it was uh, pretty exciting hockey overall. Yeah, the the Michigan Michigan State rivalry seems to be back on on the ice. So it's uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, the Spartans have not been very good in the past decade or so, and the Wolverines have kind of dominated the series, uh, and, and they won both games again this weekend. But um, some pretty uh uh intense games and and some especially on saturday a, a wild finish uh i mean back and forth I mean, it, to be honest the first period after what happened on friday night i mean the two teams combined for 105 penalty minutes on friday um there was just no flow to the game after early on because of all the penalties and i mean there was not much five on five play uh three ejections two guys one from each team got 
uh, kicked out and suspended one game for fighting. So they weren't even able to play on Saturday. And for Michigan, it was Adam Fantilli, who just happens to be the, the nation's leading scorer and a, a star freshman will probably go number two in the draft this, uh, this year. So a uh, big loss um, for, for Michigan on Saturday, but they were able to, to win both games and, Almost let it slip away on Friday night. They were up three nothing in the first twelve minutes. MSU comes back to make it three to two and had some chances late, but an empty netter makes it four to two. And then on uh, on Saturday, um, Mission State goes up two to one in the second period. Mission answers right away with two goals, and Mission State had a strong push in the third. Eric Portillo made some unreal saves. It's like, all right, is, is he going to be the one to kind of shut the door for Michigan? And an innocent-looking shot from the point sneaks past Portillo, and we have overtime. And it's like, oh, boy. And the Spartans did a power play in, in that overtime. And it's like, all right, maybe this they can snap this long duel in the D losing streak against Michigan. And uh, Michigan kills it off. And point <laughs> 0.6 seconds left, and Luke Hughes is back door and, and – uh, fortunate about bounce off the end boards, uh, pops right on his stick and, um, just a crazy way to finish. They reviewed it, saw that it was, it crossed the line before the buzzer, ex, um, expired. And yeah, two, another two, two big wins for Michigan. And as they continue to climb up the big 10 standings, but to like writing a, a hockey game or when it's a, a game like that, I mean, I know, you know, basketball is a free flowing sport, but there do seem to be more and more stoppages overall, especially in the final minute with all the timeouts and fouls and whatnot. But right. Uh, yeah. Like it's, it's like, you can't like, I wasn't able to get the story up right away. Just like I had like Michigan, like storyline ready or done for, late in the game and it would have been easy to finish put off the finishing touches and then mission state stores there at the end and then the power yeah it's like all right well mission state's going on the power play maybe they'll probably win and then you get ready to start preparing for the shootout which actually would have been difficult because it's technically a tie if the teams uh if the teams go into a shootout and you just the shootout is just for the extra big 10 point but it counts as a tie so it, it just would have been weird to write in the headline and all that so this worked out kind of nice but um yeah it's uh it was a wild finish in uh in front of a sold out crowd at little caesar's arena too the the largest crowd in duel in the d history so it's nice to see um both teams pretty relevant again i mean for michigan now they're in sole possession of second place in the big 10 um number three in the pairwise so they're looking good for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament if they can take care of business these last four games of the regular season and in the Big Ten tournament. And for Michigan State, I mean, that that last second loss might potentially cost them their season. I mean, they're kind of on the bubble right now as far as the NCAA tournament goes. And to get a tie instead of a loss would have gone a long way for their resume. Uh, they're still at 14th in the pairwise, so there's still a chance. But you, you would, if you're Michigan State, you would have loved to just – just get to the shootout and get that tie and at least pad your, your resume a little bit. I mean, yeah, you would like to win the shootout for the duel in the D, but the, obviously the, the tournament resume is more important. But overall, uh, an exciting weekend of hockey, and uh, who knows? They, they couldn't meet each other again in the in the Big Ten tournament. They seem to be rolling now, seven in a row, and uh, yeah, just just you know playing playing real well lately when you when you want to be so uh yeah we'll definitely keep an eye on that um let's let's move to football a little bit and the super bowl was last night so i feel like we <laughs> should we should mention that maybe we should have even started with it but i don't know who's hosting this thing uh yeah chiefs chiefs beat the eagles in a very exciting game 
don't know, the final minute, it, it could have been more exciting. It was trending towards <laughs> being more exciting. And then that penalty and kind of the Eagles letting the Chiefs score and the Chiefs not wanting to take advantage made it sucked a little bit of the, of the air out of it. But um, I saw a couple of headlines from, from you guys afterwards. Uh, you know, three three Wolverines, uh, former Wolverines on the Super Bowl winning champion Chiefs. I know Chad Henney. I'm now drawing a blank. Zook, you wrote it, right? Tell me who were the other two. Uh, Frank Clark and Mike Dana. Oh, okay. Yeah, better, yeah. Better former defensive ends, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Clark got flagged, didn't he, for uh, offside? Offside, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was cost. But he also had a nice little pressure on a third or 14 to throw, force Hurts uh, to throw it away, too. So he was he was more noticeable of uh, of, of the group. Obviously, Henny didn't play. Thought he might have to play after that uh, when uh, Mahomes got tackled late in the, in the first half, but. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like I wrote in the story, who knows if if Henny didn't lead that touchdown dr- ninety eight yard touchdown drive against Jacksonville, maybe the Chiefs don't get to this spot. Um, yeah. So yeah, obviously, yeah, nice for them. But t- to me, the biggest takeaway was see seeing all the players slip constantly and say, you know what, I I remember that from being there for the Michigan TCU game, and it looked even worse than yep. it did for the Fiesta Bowl. And it's like, I mean, I remember walking on that field before the game, I'm like, what is this grass? Like, why? why is this the way it is? And I uh, was not <laughs> surprised to see guys slipping. It's just unfortunate for a game like that. Like I wasn't a huge fan of the venue regardless and how far it was from this civilization. It seemed like, yeah. And then to see the, the field not uh, be in that shape too. It's kind of a uh, disappointing, but I mean, still an exciting game. I mean, over 70 points in the Super Bowl and back and forth and two star quarterbacks. It was uh yeah, it was quite entertaining. Not only was the field slick, but it was like chunks were coming out. I don't know if you saw some like some of the shots, like when they were zooming in, zooming in, like during the timeouts, coming back from break and everything. I mean, it was it was destroyed. It, I mean, it was it was not in good shape. It, it, and I was reading articles about. it. I think they spent like almost a million dollars for that field. It was like you know, it's been it took a while, eighteen months or something to grow the grass and everything else, and it was just it, not good at all. Like I don't know how the Cardinals put up with that, but nonetheless, um, yeah. We we wrote about it after Michigan's game. It was like it's a very fancy setup where it's a retractable field, and they roll it outside uh, so it can get natural sunlight and rain and whatever, and roll it back in. But they just need to go with artificial turf because this doesn't seem to be working. It didn't seem to help that they had so much on it, like you know, paint wise, as far as different logos and, and things like that. That probably made it even worse. But you know, we knew we knew right away on January one or December thirty first that oh, this is. This field is this is where the Super Bowl is going to be interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, we mentioned mentioned Henny, and then after the game, uh, Aaron, yeah, great headline: QB Chad Henny, beer in hand, announces retirement after Super Bowl. Uh, you got me to click in. I was very disappointed. It was a Bud Light, was the beer, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was an ad or what, because he actually tagged yeah. Bud Light in his Instagram ta- post. But, <laughs> right. but I think the announcement kind of flew into the radar just because obviously he didn't play and he wasn't their starter and everything else. But yeah, he announced at, about an hour after the game that he was going to hang, he was hanging it up. Um, so, you know, 50, I look back, he's, he spent 15 years in the NFL. Um, you know, it, uh, he had a, if you're a backup quarterback for most of your career, I think you hope to last a while and he lasted about as long as you can expect. So, you know, included to him, uh, I think he's 37 years old right now. He's got two Super Bowls, uh, goes out on top. I mean, how many guys can say that they retire after winning a Super Bowl? There's probably only, there's only so many. So, um, you know, successful, fruitful career for him. He made he made a lot of money. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how you want it to go. Without a lot of wear and tear on his body, too. I mean, what a dream. Yeah, exactly. I uh, 
I, I thought you might go with uh, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback uh, announces retirement after you know second Super Bowl victory or something as the as your headline. I thought you might try to you know scare some folks, uh, you know, <laughs> Chiefs uh, Chiefs fans. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of on the on the former Wolverines and and another former Wolverine coming back to the program. Uh, Chris Partridge uh, announced last week that he'll be joining the staff. And, uh, you know, as, as Aaron wrote about it, it's like he's joining the staff, uh, but don't know exactly what he's going to do. It's kind of it's kind of interesting here because they're they're at max capacity at the time. They're overbooked. Yes, yes. They're full with no availability at this point. Nonetheless, he is on the staff. Uh, I, I try to get clarification on this. Um, they, they're not categorizing, categorizing him as anything at this point. Typically guys come in with, as, with an analyst tag or a coaching tag. He has neither at this point. So you can kind of read the tea leaves. Um, we've seen situations like this in the past. Uh, the one I tend to point to, uh, was back in, I think 2018 when Ed Warner came on the staff. Originally he was named an analyst. He lasted in that role for about two or three months. Um, and, the, and, and as he joked at that point, he, he was there long enough to try and find his parking spot at Schembechler Hall. But when uh, Michigan had a couple of departures later that offseason, he ended up being promoted to the offensive line coach. So I'm really curious to see here what happens. Um, as we know, Chris Partridge uh, coached linebackers and safety at Michigan. He was a special team coordinator who's got experience in that level. Uh, he left Michigan uh, after the 2000, after the 2020 season. Um, or 2019 season, who became the, uh, the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Uh, he's been there ever since. Uh, he was let go after this past year. So we'll see what what ends up happening. Um, and as we all know, I mean, he was really well known for his recruiting. I mean, he was a former high school coach in New Jersey, coached Jabril Peppers, helped Michigan land Rashawn Gary, helped land Christopher Hinton, a lot of high-profile, Daxton Hill, a lot of high-profile high guys he was either the primary recruiter on or certainly had a hand in. So I think if you're Michigan, you want him on the recruiting trail. And to do that, he's got to be a full-time member of the staff. Um, if he's an analyst, he can only kind of stay on campus. He can't go anywhere. So he's kind of limited in that regard. So we'll see what happens here. Um, you know, if you're reading the tea leaves, you know, someone's going to have to depart here, whether that's George Hero, linebacker's coach, or Jay Harbaugh, who's coaching, currently coaching the safeties and the special team coordinator. Those two seem to make the most sense to me. But again, I, I don't know what this situation, what the plan is. It's going to be interesting all the season. As I was told, Michigan's going to kind of move forward through the spring and kind of figure out his role as time goes on. So we'll uh, stay tuned, as we like to say. I mean, I would think that, right, like, I know they announced his hiring, but I feel like he, he's got to be in some sort of analyst role. Like, he can't just all of a sudden assume all these recruiting duties and all this without demoting someone else, right? I mean, I know they haven't announced it yet, but, like, you can't just wait and announce him something in some official capacity, but, like, have him do certain duties that aren't allowed. So it's like, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. And I, I, like Aaron said, I think you need him on the recruiting trail because of all, all the that's been their kind of Achilles heel here since NIL launched. And maybe uh, uh, Partridge should help them make some headway in, in that area and bring in some of these top guys that he he has he has done in the past. It's important to point out, too, like Michigan's well has kind of dried up in New Jersey the last couple of years. Ever since Don Brown left, after since Partridge and, and uh, Campanelli left. Um, Michigan hasn't had a ton of success in, in, in New Jersey. Um, they haven't really tried a ton either just because they don't have a ton of connections. So Partridge coming back obviously helps them in that regard. The, the high school talent remains strong in New Jersey. Uh, Rutgers has done a good job of landing guys 
the last couple of years there. Penn State has kind of moved in over there. Ohio State, I think, has tried to get in, in the state of New Jersey as well. So um, if Partridge can be a full-time member of the staff and, and go out and recruiting, it, it's going to give them a leg up in the state of New Jersey, an area where they've they've been successful in, in the past. So uh, we'll see. Um, you know, it, it's important to point out, too, the, there is a proposal in the books for on, on like being considered right now by the NCAA of making analysts full-time kind of coaches allowing them on the field for practice and games. And I think that would expand the recruiting duties as well. That hasn't been passed yet by the NCAA, but it's it's being considered and may something may happen this summer. So that could potentially come into play here. Um, but right now we'll we'll see where things go. But I gotta think at some point he's gonna be named a, a full time member of the as an assistant coach. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean Partridge was, you know, let go by Ole Miss, you know, shortly after the, the season ended. It was in January sometime early mid January. So interesting that it would it would this would all happen now but yeah i don't think he's being brought back for a you know a lesser role but i also don't think he can demand oh you know a coordinator role or anything like that because he was just fired it's not like they're taking him you know uh, he, he wasn't he didn't have a job at the time so um yeah that'll be that'll be interesting to see michigan seems set at so many positions already made some moves you know elevating people so um yeah something something to watch for sure um yeah. Any any other news with the with the football program that we we want to hit on since we uh, last uh, recorded? Yeah, since we're on the coaching realm, they they have announced two additional hires of analysts. Uh, one, Josh Kinagoga, former quarterback at Northwood. Uh, he spent some time at CMU. He's most most re- most recently the quarterbacks coach and recruiting coordinator at Youngstown State University, which is an FCS school of football. Um, you know, he's coming in as an analyst, offensive analyst to um, work with. Um, Kirk Campbell, the new quarterbacks coach. Um, so I think he's probably going to help Michigan in some regard. He'll help Campbell quite a bit. Um, he may have some connections in the Youngstown, Ohio area where Michigan's had some successful recruiting wins uh, of late. And then they recently announced the uh, the hire of Nick Gilbert as, a, an, again, another offensive analyst. Worked at University of Colorado last year with Kyle Devan, who was a former Michigan analyst. Uh, worked with um, Kirk Campbell, as well, or excuse me, he played for Kirk Campbell at Tiffin, and he actually was a high school teammate of Mike Hart. So a lot of connections there. Michigan's bringing on some fresh faces, as they do every year. I mean, they, they always bring on a handful of new analysts. They kind of cycle in and out every single year. Guys get jobs elsewhere, move on. Um, they bring on new faces. So a couple new faces uh, in Partridge, uh, TBD. But, yeah, um, things are kind of getting set. You know, football practice set to begin actually next Monday, February 20th. Uh, they're going to get going for a full week, and then they'll take the following week off for university spring break, and then they'll get going again in March. So, uh, yeah, football's right around the corner once again. Gilbert graduated in 2012 from Tiffin University with a bachelor's degree in, did you notice that? It caught my eye. Homeland Security was what it was. <laughs> that was that was kind of a new one for me. I did see that, yes. No more computer crimes going on in Schembechler Hall when he's around. <laughs> There we, there we go. A little uh, early uh, for that, but yes. <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of seems more to me like that's, yeah, that's like, all right, it's kind of a military thing. Interesting. Uh, but uh yeah, maybe some some to ask him about at some point. But um, all right, yeah, yeah, I noticed as well the the Syracuse New York connections, upstate New York, uh, where where Hart went as well. All right, so yeah, I guess that uh, that concludes this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for continued coverage on MLive.com/slash Wolverines.